What's up, everyone? You're listening to WKNC 88.1 FM Raleigh. We are a student-run nonprofit radio station based outside of uh, based out of North Carolina State University. I'm Plover, and this is Off the Record. Here with me today is Max Gowan. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, good to be here. Awesome. Um, just out of curiosity, wait, is it Gowan or Gowan? I want to make sure I get that right. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's hard to tell from the spelling. It's Gowan. Gowan. So kind of it rhymes with like Chowan, like Chowan. <laughs> awesome, Max yeah. Gowan down. Thanks. <laughs> Um, so, uh, real quick, uh, who are you? Um, where are you from? Kind of what's, what's the lowdown? Yeah, uh, I'm a musician, uh, based in Raleigh. I was also born and raised in Raleigh. Um, and, but I, I went to college in DC for about four years. Uh, but other than that, I've lived in Raleigh pretty much my whole life. So yeah, that's me. Awesome. So you mentioned you're a musician. Uh, how'd you kind of get started into that? Um, was that like during college, like you mentioned, or just kind of organically? It was pretty early. I started playing guitar when I was, uh, I want to say, eight years old. Uh, my dad started teaching me, and then I kind of like co-opted his uh, his teacher <laughs> and slowly uh, started taking lessons from my dad's guitar teacher. Um, and I was like really big into like metal music and like punk in like you know middle school time. Like I actually played in a death metal band <laughs> and we played at uh, the poor house when i was in eighth grade Whoa. that was my first like bar show um but yeah so i've been playing music for a long time the the music that i make now under my name um is a project that i basically started at the end of high school uh just home recording pretty much all the parts um myself and kind of like teaching myself how to do the whole recording process so i've been doing that for like seven years now nice nice so um uh, you mentioned you were kind of a big fan of uh, punk and metal. Is there any kind of that like ethos in your your current music? Um, I'm sure there is. Like, I'm sure it makes its way into it. I feel <laughs> like um, technically, I guess you could call my music singer songwriter, but it's mm-hmm. like very focused on instrumentals. Like, I'm I'm big into uh, riffs, if you will, yeah. <laughs> and, and things like that. So, um, so yeah, it's it's definitely like I feel like the focus on instrumentals and like trying to make something compelling instrumentally probably comes from my love of metal instrumentals because they're usually really really crazy for sure yeah um i i definitely hear like pianos as well in your in in your um your music as well Uh, it's a really cool like range you've kind of been having in terms of the instruments um sorry the phone cut out there a little bit would you mind repeating that no you're all good yeah i just remember i i heard some uh pianos in there some uh various instruments that was really cool they have like a nice like range yeah even for a you know quote-unquote singer-songwriter record there's a lot going on there which is really cool yeah thanks i i do not know how to play piano but i have enough like uh, <laughs> that i, I can kind of like plunk something out if i'm given enough takes so <laughs> yeah i like to throw as many textures in as i as i can at least for what fits the song ideally Nice. Um, well, again, speaking of your music, you have a new album out, of course, called uh, Glossolalia. Um, this, this kind of feels like a very uh, personal album. So how was the uh, the kind of recording process for that for you? Yeah, so um, the recording process is pretty much the same as, as what I've done ever since I started home recording, which is I, um, you know, kind of try to lay down a foundation for all the songs myself. It was like guitar, bass, and drums. Um, and... I actually had more collaborators on this than I normally do. Like, um, you know, there's a lot of great musicians on it. Um, my good friend Caroline, her project's called Infinity Crush. She was also based in Raleigh. Um, so she played like strings and French horn on some songs. 
Um, my friend Travis played drums on a song. My friend Chris played drums on a song. So there's definitely more collaboration going on. But I feel like lyrically, um, this is definitely a bit more of a personal record for me. There's still some like, you know, character stories and things that are not necessarily autobiographical. But there's also some songs that are a little more uh, vulnerable than I'm used to being, probably. So <laughs> that was a that was a bit of a way for me to branch out this time. I think. For sure. Um, uh, a lot of artists I talk to who kind of uh, are more focused on home recordings, so it's, it's always really cool to like be part of that collaboration like with friends and maybe even roommates who can kind of really easily just bounce off ideas off each other. Like, How is that like pl- essentially playing with a group of friends on um, this record? Yeah, it's more... I mean, I feel like the older I get, the more fun I have doing that. Um, music, music used to be this really solitary activity for me at least i like enjoyed it a lot as a very like almost like manic like you know lock yourself in a room for like eight hours and try to make something uh, alone and i still enjoy doing that but um i think yeah the older i get the more like uh that loses its novelty a little bit and it feels a lot more fun and novel to have other people in the room and i've actually started recording friends and trying to branch out to other bands too at my house just because I'm enjoying being involved on other people's projects um, pretty much as much as I enjoy doing my own stuff now. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw you were um, doing some like uh, mixing and mastering for other people. Uh, yeah, kind of what, what what's it like like being part of other people's creative process like that in, in terms of like, I guess, the the post-production side? It's I really like um, mixing and mastering other people's music actually a lot more than I like doing to my own music because... Um, there's like a level of objectivity, at least I would like to think there's a level of objectivity that I am able to have when it's someone else's song and I'm like the fresh pair of ears on it. Um, you know, kind of putting the finishing touches before it's finished. Uh, whereas if you've been making a song yourself and, you know, you've probably heard this, like there's kind of the old adage that like the band shouldn't mix the record, <laughs> like it should be done by someone else. And it's because you get so close to something um, while you're working on it that um, you kind of lose perspective on it a little bit. So I think, yeah, I, I really enjoy working with other people because to me, I feel like this, you know, they've put all this effort into recording and writing and performing and it sounds great. And then it's my do- job to just kind of like make stuff shine as much as possible mm-hmm. from the state it's already in. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm not uh, myself a producer and I have heard of that adage, but I'm not, I guess I'm not really the most clear about that kind of process. What does like mixing and mastering kind of do in terms like, like, like what does that really do to the music? Um, yeah. So basically the, the way that I would explain it is like microphones when you're recording something, even though a lot of microphones are amazing, they're still kind of just like worse ears. <laughs> uh, and so Basically, even a really, really well-recorded project, there's a lot of balancing to do. You know, kind of like in your car, um, you know, if you've got like a bass, mid, and treble knob, um, mixing is sort of like a much more complicated version of that, but for every element of the music. So, you know, your drum set, your guitars, your vocals. um, And then mastering is kind of ensuring that, uh, that the song will sound good, across as many playback systems as possible you know and also um you want to ensure that the song is like roughly as loud as other songs in the genre so that's like what mastering is um 
trying not to make this too boring. <laughs> no, yeah, that's, that's really I really enjoy it, though. I, it's, I, like, you know, I really enjoy that process. And I thought it was, initially when I started doing it for my own music, I thought it was going to be like this chore, just like this tedious thing that I had to do to make my music sound good. And then the more I did it, the more I realized I really enjoy um, that kind of technical side of things, too. For sure. Yeah, that's really cool. And, and since you do home recordings, that's really great that you can kind of embrace that kind of technical side and don't just like hand it off to a producer. Uh, that's always great to right, see. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, what is that? Um, what does glossolalia mean exactly? I, I don't know. I know that word. Yeah, it's a pretty goofy word. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like half of the reason I picked it is just because I like how it sounds. I feel like it, it makes for a good album title. But basically, um, it's uh, the act of spontaneously speaking in tongues. Uh, that's glossolalia. So, like, um, I think there's another word for speaking randomly in a, lang- in a language that exists that you don't know how to speak in. Mm-hmm. But then there's glossolalia, I think, is, like, speaking in a tongue that, like, humans don't speak in, <laughs> basically. <laughs> so it's kind of a biblical thing. Um, but, yeah, I kind of picked that as the album title because um, musically, this album felt really like uh i guess you could say spontaneous to me like i really followed my whims especially with a lot of the instrumentals and there's a lot of like uh, twists and turns i guess that the album takes um and so i sort of wanted it to have this title that captured like the uh i guess the abstract nature of that Mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah for sure um yeah i noticed there were a lot of very free-flowing tracks there was some like just straight up instrumental tracks um more with your vocals in it uh, talking about that how, how do, do you like start with the instrumental do you start with like an idea um lyrically and then like build in an instrumental from that i think uh usually my like my better songs in my opinion i will get like one very brief lyrical idea mm-hmm. um around the same time i get like you know for example if i'm sitting down playing guitar um there will be sort of this implied melody and whatever chord progression I'm playing and I can kind of start just like almost uh, making like just phonetic sounds when I'm singing along and then all of a sudden like a vocal idea will come to me through that so that's usually how it starts but then other times um, you know I'll just have a day to myself and just like throw up the mics on the drums and kind of lay down a groove and then I build an instrumental from there and then do vocals last Uh, so it it all varies it it really depends on how I'm feeling that day. For sure. Um, it, and of course, it comes out great. Uh, one of my favorite songs off of that um, project was Jackal. Um, what exactly did, like, there, there was a lot of um, sim- symbol of a jackal and, like, you're acting like a jackal. What exactly were you uh, going for over that one? Oh, man, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the first track on the album. Um, and I think I was, like, I had been writing, like, several iterations of songs, like, kind of around this theme of a jackal mm-hmm. um and i i don't really i kind of want it to be open-ended i'd like people to take what it, from they will or take from it what they will but uh in my i guess my thinking around it however abstract it might be is like um kind of this distrust of strangers that that maybe exists in america more than it does in other places i i don't know i, I haven't really lived anywhere else but like just this sort of idea that uh, we can kind of build up people to be these monstrosities that they aren't necessarily. 
Um, and so that's sort of what the song is getting at. Sure. Um, so is it like a character being a monstrosity or like you being a monstrosity? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's like, um, you know, the perception that someone else might be distrustful of you or that you mm-hmm. might be, I don't know, I guess like just the distrust of the stranger and like the unknown, that's sort of like the, the jackal. Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm, no, no, <laughs> I'm not doing sorry. a great job of explaining it, but my, sometimes my lyrics can be pretty abstract. But yeah, yeah I'm I sure there's many different interpretations <laughs> of that of that one song, even. Um, so uh, you've mentioned uh, a few sort of hints about your song, your your sound. Excuse me, it's like singer songwriter. Like, um, uh, 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 what exactly would you like specifically tell people who were like had never heard a Max Gowan song before, just to kind of sell them on that. I think as like canned as it sounds, I would probably just tell someone that it's like indie rock music. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I wish we had a better word, but I feel like that's a pretty good catch all for like, it'll give you an idea of what I sound like. You know what I mean? For sure. Um, so yeah, that's, that's usually what I would, would tell someone. Yeah. Um, I can definitely hear the indie rock sound and um, especially in sort of the transition from the, um, pre-recorded version to like a live version where you uh, you bring in more of a live band well what's that kind of like seeing those songs like amplified and added that extra dimension live with other people working on it yeah that's been something that's been really amazing about doing this project for as long as i've done it is i always have had a good solid group of like friends and musicians who are down to help me you know do these songs live um and so Usually it's a four piece. Like right now, um, I'm really happy with the live version of our band that we've got. It's my friend Cruz, uh, my friend Paul, and my friend Ryan. Um, And so, you know, it's kind of like a traditional rock setup, like guitar, bass, drums. Um, But Cruz plays a lot of lap steel, uh, which has been a really awesome texture to have live that I haven't had before. Um, And he's an incredible player. And so, you know, he's able to cover some of the more ambient uh, things that I might have in a recording that we can't really replicate live. He's kind of able to cover that in his own like twangy lap steel way, which I really appreciate. Sorry, what was that word exactly? Lap, lap steel? Oh, lap steel. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, like a um, slide guitar. Basically. Okay. Like country, country vibes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Very, very singer songwriter. Um, I, yeah. I like that. And uh, mentioning live stuff, we we saw you at a um a show at the uh, WKNC Hopscotch Day Party. How how was uh playing that one? That was so much fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. I wasn't sure what to expect because I'd seen um, some WKNC hosted shows on the loading dock, mm-hmm. um, but not at the front of the DHL library. And I feel like it worked out pretty well. Um, there was like a good crowd. We enjoyed the set. I felt like we played all our songs. Like, I don't know if it's because it was broad daylight and we're used to playing in like, <laughs> you know, dive bars and that <laughs> or something. But like, we played the whole set like on like turbo speed. Like we, <laughs> we did all the songs like really fast, but I enjoyed it. I feel like people seem to enjoy it. So yeah, overall, very good day. Yeah, it was really cool. And then of course, the uh, that <laughs> the person who came up to you afterwards and told you the queen died during your set. Uh, how, how, how was hearing that one? <laughs> yeah (laughs) well it's weird because that news was breaking like while we were getting ready for the show is that like you know she'd been hospitalized and Cruz was like dude what if that happened like while we were playing and then the uh i guess the prophecy came true but yeah that was that was pretty crazy 
yeah, that was, I would be very surprised if I sort of walked out hearing that. Um, yeah, that I mean, it was a great set, of course, and um, uh, uh, and you mentioned you play a lot of kind of dive bars, um, sort of indoor things. Uh, uh, what would you say is like kind of the cool part, or I guess the importance of those like kind of um live like free shows, like kind of come by, see a few minutes. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess. Are you saying like what's the importance of like uh, like day party type shows? Yeah, yeah, like those free to the things. public. Yeah, I really like them because um, I think obviously it's more accessible to the average person. You know, there's not that like barrier of a cost to see a band that you've potentially never heard. Um, so I think it's like better exposure for the bands, and it's also nice when you know there's like an organization like State that can still afford to pay the bands, even if it's like a quote unquote free show. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I think it's a good thing. I think it's accessible and, you know, someone who's just walking by and maybe wasn't planning on seeing a band, uh, they'll stop. And then if they like it, they stay. So For sure. Yeah. And it was, uh, as I heard, definitely audible in the library, too. So they were also able to get a show. <laughs> yeah, I walked in there to use the bathroom and I was like, wow, that's <laughs> probably... Uh, probably not ideal for someone studying right now <laughs> that was good there's many floors of the library um you go to um I, I, you mentioned that you you played a lot faster than a dive bar what's like kind of the difference in ambiance i guess that would kind of make make that happen well i think um it all depends on how everybody's feeling that day you know mm-hmm. like uh, maybe by the time we're a little bit wound down uh, in the late afternoon or evening getting ready for a show we're like more chill uh, as a band than, than we are at 1 p.m. Uh, who's to say? You probably would need, like, uh, to hook us up to machines and study our, like, heart rhythms or something to really figure it out. <laughs> uh, no, that, that'd be a pretty good analysis. Um, so this is, of course, a hopscotch day party. Were you at kind of any other of the day parties or at hopscotch in general, This uh, either as a band or just as an audience member? Yeah, I, I did a fair amount of hopscotch stuff. Um, I actually was able to score, like, a free wristband um shout out to my friend Devon. i still don't know exactly how that was acquired but i won't ask any questions um <laughs> yeah and so i got to see courtney barnett which was great uh, i got to catch most of uh black country new road on friday night um and then uh or maybe that was thursday night, yeah, it was, that was a thursday. And then, yeah that was thursday and then uh friday um the big show that i went to was uh, Tomberlin and my friends in Truth Club mm-hmm. and MJ Lenderman played a very late show at the Poor House that was like completely packed. Um, it ended, I think we got out at like 2 a.m. and it was like, it was an incredible show. I love all three of those bands, um, but I'd never seen MJ before. He was the only one that I hadn't seen live and he had like eight people on the stage with him and it was like, devastatingly loud in the best way possible <laughs> I, I was very very stoked about that one yeah he said it was really cool he was also at um there were like the outside part of hopscotch and that was a really cool set there too um yeah i think i played like four shows or something <laughs> this year yeah going off uh so the poorhouse of course was packed. we were trying to get into the poorhouse but the line was just like around the block when we came in i'm glad you were able to get into that yeah i felt bad i was seeing how many people outside were trying to get in and it was like pretty much at capacity like right as Tom Brown was yeah. starting so um but yeah it was a good time yeah I'm sure the atmosphere in there was was awesome um uh, uh what would you say is kind of like I guess the importance of I guess hopscotch or just having a, a big music festival like that um in in the Raleigh area I think um it's 
it's tough because, you know, sometimes festivals can be, um, I guess, like overhyped in a sense. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I've heard complaints about that with like South by Southwest before that uh-huh. kind of turns into this like corporate, uh, you know, networking thing <laughs> more than like more than just about the music. But I don't know. I feel like as long as the festival really seems to center music in the way that Hopscotch does, like yeah. I think the day party aspect of hopscotch is really cool i think that like um you know the ticketed events are awesome obviously like that's a lot of the names that people show up for um but like i think the day parties are a great way to get people who may not be aware of what's going on locally um to check out local things and it's like very low risk for them to do so you know Mm -hmm. it's like well i'm already going to hopscotch um and there's all this free stuff happening all day, you know, so I might as well check it out. And so I think that's really nice. Um, and it's cool to to see it be an institution in Raleigh for as long as it's been. I don't know how long it's been, but I definitely remember going in high school. So it's at least, <laughs> it's at least a little while then, yeah. about 25. Yeah, it's, it's been a minute. And like also just. Uh, I feel like the day party culture is almost as big, if not big, as like the actual hopscotch now. I feel like so many people I know were like thought hopscotch was like either our day party or just day parties in general. So that's cool that that like focus on the local scene is also kind of bled out of the general, I guess, music circles of Raleigh. Yeah, exactly. I like that it, the day party slash night thing kind of like blend into one at this point. I think that's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, and also just like how like spread out everything is and you just kind of like wonder and then oh wow i hear music playing from somewhere um that was really cool right um so are you at the poorhouse to do are there any other day parties you you were able to make it to um i was at um i was at well i played a solo set um alongside a lot of really good solo flash like duo performers at this place called unlikely professionals which is um it's like a clothing shop um slash bar right by like person street bar if people know where that is mm-hmm. um and that was a really fun day party on friday um it was hosted by this guy rusty who's really nice and he has something called this is not a show i believe is the name of his radio show um and so yeah he invited me to play and i got to see dan from friendship do a beautiful solo set um got to see will Johnson o stone um i missed riggings but i heard good things so yeah it was that was a really nice kind of like intimate uh quiet day party nice yeah it sounds really cool I've, I've never heard of that kind of venue before but i'm I'm sure that went well um yeah i hadn't been there before it's like a, it's a really cool store they also gave me a, an insane amount of like free trophy beer which <laughs> Uh, which is always cool. <laughs> always love that for sure. And uh, yeah. another great venue, of course, the Nightlight recently closed down. I remember seeing your show at there and thought that was really, really cool. Um, uh, uh, how's it? That that that's a big loss for the the scene. Uh, uh, how does that kind of closing kind of impact the area? Yeah, you you said Nightlight. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. Okay. I didn't realize you were at that show. That's cool. Yeah. That was that the one I played with Truth Club. Yeah. 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 Um, no, that really is a wonderful spot like i um i played or i didn't play there i watched uh, a friend's band play there a few years ago while i was in college and i wasn't living here i was just like in town for a break um and i always thought that was like one of the best venues in chapel hill so i'm really sad to see it go um unfortunately it seems like you're hearing more and more about stuff like that yeah. um there's a lot of places in raleigh um that 
are either already closed or I've heard of will be closing in the next few months, you know, and like, yeah, it's a bummer to see that happen. Um, and I don't really know what the solution is, but yeah, it's definitely <laughs> sad to see. Yeah, it's been a rough couple of years and, and Kings was back for a bit, but then I guess that's not coming back totally. I honestly have no idea what's going on with Kings. <gasps> yeah. Um, I, I love Kings to death though. I would, uh, yeah, I would take a bullet for King. So if, there's any, <laughs> if there's any way to keep it afloat, someone let me know. For sure, yeah. I, I, it was a bit before my time. I was never able to, to really go to there, but that, that place ended awesome. Yeah, yeah. I've seen so much good stuff at King's. Really nice place. Nice. Uh, what would you say, I guess, was like maybe the favorite show you've ever played, either in a, a, a sort of a, a indoor place or more of an, out, of an outdoor spot? What would be your, your favorite show? Ooh, that's that's a good question. Um, let me think. There was a Halloween show that we did um, in Raleigh. There was a house venue that is no longer, but it, it was called Ash House. Mm-hmm. It was on Ash Avenue. Um, and we played on Halloween, if not the day of Halloween, it was like, you know, Halloween weekend. So essentially Halloween. And uh, everyone was in costume. I believe I was dressed up as Luigi. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and yeah, we played with Black Bouquet and Vacant Company. Um, oh, nice. And it was just like a really good turnout. Um, like a, a ton of people showed up and, you know, it was Halloween. So everyone was rowdy. And I always, I enjoy like a, a healthy amount of uh, <laughs> rowdiness at a house <laughs> show. Like sometimes that can be more fun than, than like a bar show. So that's probably my favorite show in recent memory, um, mainly because I got to be in costume, though. So. <laughs> nice, yeah, that definitely adds a dimension. Um, yeah. yeah, you mentioned you've kind of grown up in Raleigh and lived here for very long. And while, while we've seen a lot of venues close recently, have you seen any kind of like growth in, in the Raleigh sort of uh, local scene? It's hard to say because I'm, um, we're, you know, we've started playing a lot more live shows recently, but... I feel like COVID, uh, especially at the beginning, kind of disconnected me from a lot of that. Um, so I I feel more out of the loop than maybe I was like in 2019, you could say. Um, but it does seem like there's still a really strong community here for music. Um, and I, it's hard to say whether or not I'm seeing it growing, but it definitely still feels pretty strong. So that's <laughs> that's probably the best answer I can give. Yeah, that's always good. Yeah, I, I remember I was uh, when I was volunteering at Hopscotch. I was talking to this someone about like how everyone's kind of moving into Raleigh, and that's and it's good that we like have a festival for that, and hopefully that can uh, some some people kind of converging on the area can can help grow that uh, scene a bit. Yeah, and I'm sure that will happen. I mean, um, again, like I feel like COVID kind of makes it so hard to gauge things like that mm-hmm. um, because it it really shut things down for for a while. Um, but I don't know. I feel like it just this year alone, like I've seen a lot of great shows. seems like people are going to see stuff. I feel like people are actually maybe more eager to go out now than they were before. You know, it's like now I feel like uh, things like seeing live music might feel a little more precious. Maybe that's my guess at least. Yeah. Definitely uh, not taking for granted. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Nice. Uh, uh, we mentioned a lot of stuff during COVID. What was kind of the trajectory before COVID, if, if you have any insight onto that? Yeah, so before COVID, um, I'd been playing. I, my project was still very much a thing, um, but I was just, you know, finishing up school in D.C. I graduated in May of 2019. Nice. Um, and 
so I came back to Raleigh um, with my girlfriend, Amelia, you know, just looking to work and play music here, kind of reconnect with some of my friends here. Um, and yeah, so that was really what I was doing before COVID was, you know, I kind of started up the live band here in Raleigh. We were playing a few shows here and there. Um, I was working in a call center, <laughs> which was terrible. Um, I, yeah, I'm glad I left that job. Um, so yeah, all in all, I feel like, you know, we probably played like six or seven shows um, once I had returned to Raleigh and then COVID hit. And then we didn't play anything until Hopscotch of 2021. We did a day party at Ruby Deluxe. Nice. So that was yeah. the first show back. Yeah, so definitely good to get back on your feet. Um, do you have any plans for kind of any upcoming shows to, to promote Glossolalia? Yeah, we're doing, um, we're playing a show at Night Rider. Um, on the 23rd of this month, which is a Friday. Um, I'm really looking forward to that one. That's with Gentle Jr. and Saturnalios, I believe. Um, and yeah, we'll be playing several tracks off the new record. So I'm, I'm really stoked for that one. Um, and then I think we're doing something in Richmond in October, and we've got some other Triangle shows lined up after that. So that's kind of the trajectory. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's great to see that you're, you're back out there and strong as ever. Um, do you have any more plans for any more music or is it just like i just dropped an album let's just play some play some songs live yeah i mean definitely not writing anything yet for my own project um i've been really busy like doing this mixing and mastering stuff pretty much full time so i'm planning on doing much more of that I, and i also want to start recording and producing more for triangle bands um mm -hmm. i um you know i've been dipping my toes into that i just finished um, helping Caroline finish her record, the, the new Infinity Crush record, mm -hmm. which should be out at some point soon. So I'm looking to do a lot more just collaborative work with other musicians. Um, I think that's my kind of path going forward for the next year or so. And then we'll see. I'm sure I'll put out more music of my own, but yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna chill with that for a little bit. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I'm sure that was not easy putting out an album, so I definitely want to let that ruminate um, right. for a bit. Awesome. Uh, is, is there anything else you wanted to talk about here? No, I don't think so. Um, yeah, we really we really covered it all. I feel like awesome. Yeah, and thank of course, thank you so much for being here and talking. Um, if you, if there are, if you want to let the listeners know kind of where to find you, either on social media or where you can they can find your music. Yeah, thank you. Um, so again, it's just my name, which is Max Gowan. Um, if you Google that, it should come up with anything you would need. But you can also go to maxgowan.bandcamp.com um, to listen or buy physical uh, of my music. Um, you can find me on Spotify, all that good stuff. Um, and if you are looking for recording or mixing or mastering, um, you can check out my website for that, which is maxgowanaudio.com. Um, and you can reach out through there if, if any of that's of interest to you. Awesome. Yeah, thank you for, for all that. And um, yeah, this is a great interview. Yeah, thanks so much for the chat. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this interview with Max Gowan here on WKNC. Um, if you want to check out any of our other interviews, you can go to wknc.org slash podcast. Uh, I've been Plover. This has been Off the Record, and Max Gowan has been Max Gowan. See you next time.